0: Hey everyone, it's Naomi, and welcome to the Firecracker Department. How has your week been? I, uh, I've been spending the week cleaning up my pops place. As some of you know, my father passed away in December. This is part of it. This is part of the grieving. This is part of the process. It's pretty wild, and, um, I went to his place, and I haven't been to his place since he passed away. Uh, and I don't know if some of you have dealt with this before, but Having to go back, I was kind of full of, uh, of, I was nervous, I was full of trepidation. And then I got there and it was actually pretty comforting. Like, I don't know, it's it's sort of like his place has so much of his energy still that it, I found it pretty comforting. And then it's this wild thing, like my mom passed away in, in February. She'd been living in a home, so um, there's like a house full of her stuff. And then my pop is kind of like downsized. He's like a chemistry professor and he's been pretty much living on his own since my mom moved into the home. So he doesn't have a lot of stuff, but then I'll find this box and it'll be like, you know, from when I was six, maybe seven. And I, (laughs) I used to force this poor guy. I used to force him to practice his handwriting because I thought that his handwriting wasn't very good. And I was learning how to do handwriting. So I thought he, He should also learn that so i'd created all these books and this poor guy who was a new professor at university of waterloo and then i would and then i would grade him (laughs) i would grade him and be like that's not good enough you have to do it again and he would do it so i found all those books now what am i going to do with that like there's uh, there's this weird sense you know when when uh, somebody passes away that you're left with their things and it makes me take stock of my own things and how i want to simplify and I don't want to leave people with these things to take care of, and yet I'm so attached. Oh my God, I get so attached to things um, for no for no reason. But um, I don't know. I'd love to hear if you know if you're listening to this and you're dealing with grief from losing somebody you love. How did you deal with it? How did you how did you not hold on to every single thing because it makes you think of them? You know, <laughs> this is another odd thing my father used to do. Um, And you know my father was Lithuanian. Uh, They escaped from during the war and so I'm first-generation Canadian And so when they came over they had nothing so um, There's definitely a level of uh, the joy of using things up to the very last morsel You know like if, if there's toothpaste you squeeze out every single bit and then he cuts it open and scrapes out that extra little bit So that's that's in my genes, but he had this candle that uh, I finally threw away. I took a picture of it, and maybe I'll post it. Um, It's a candle that he's had, honest to God, for like 20 years. And what he would do is he would uh, light a candle and then put it on top, and then he would take a toothpick and light it from his stove, and then light the candle based on that. And then he'd blow the toothpick out and use the other side, so it was a fully used toothpick. I mean, that's next level, isn't it? I don't know so what do I mean that's going in the garbage that's just for sure He's going in the garbage because I can't have that in my life but then there's things like his letters and his handwriting and books and odd things that I have grown attached to because they connect to him um, and maybe there'll be a time when I can move on but right now I find it really comforting to have as things around me tell me what you do I'd love to uh, I'd love to have some insight into how other people are dealing with grief Because it's not all bad, like I definitely miss my folks. I miss them so much, but um, I'm finding a lot of comfort in this process and spending time with them a little bit. Yeah, okay, let's get into the show. And guess what, this is so exciting because it's that time of the month. Well, I mean, not that time of the month, but it is a time of the month. So, I mean, what isn't a time of the month? Okay, sneak us, move on. We have a brand new Real Women's Network Creator Spotlight for you. Yes, Uh, at the end of 2020 we announced our partnership with Real Women's Network and then since then oh it's just i just love supporting this platform so much because they support so many female filmmakers which is so great so i've spoken with the real women's network founders jessica and linda hill over on our facebook page go check that out and then our first podcast spotlight episode was with the third co-founder of real women's network and creator of venice the series crystal Chappelle. then in february i talked to andrea evans oh my gosh andrea evans is a two-time Emmy-nominated actor and executive producer of Rocking the Couch. Now, if you're still like, wait, okay, hold on a second. These people sound cool, but what, what what is this Real Women's Network? I like the people, but tell me more. I know you're thinking that, and that's how powerful our connection is. I can hear it. Okay, here's the deal. The Real Women's Network is an online streaming service that showcases films, series, documentaries, podcasts, and digital content created by women filmmakers and content creators. So I'll sit down with one of the creators featured on the platform each month, and you can stream their shows and features directly from Real Women's Network. And then you can go and listen to our podcast. So it's like getting like a full meal deal from each of these creators. You can see their film, listen to their voice, find out more about them. It's this beautiful partnership. I I love it so much. Our third Real Women's Network Spotlight guest is writer, director, editor, producer Emily L. Fadley from Across the Pond in the UK where we have some firecrackers in our Firecracker UK chapters. So shout out to Vicky and Amelia. I actually did the shout out and put my hand as if I was like, Shout out! Hoping that they might hear me. That's that's where I'm at today. Okay, Emily was born in Cambridge, England, but she has lived in France and the US before returning to London where she lives now. She's been writing scripts since she was super, super young and has since gone to university for editing and post-production. So she's very well-rounded in her filmmaking skills and really, I mean, gosh, she has a hand in everything, which makes her such an incredible filmmaker. In 2016, she made her directorial debut with Seasons, a lesbian short film which now has over 1 million views on YouTube. Go check it out, Seasons. We'll link that in our show notes for sure, along with her first co-written lesbian short film, The Date, which you can see on Real Women's Network. See how it's all coming together? Now lately, Emily is crowdfunding for her second lesbian short film called From A to Q. We'll have a link in our show notes to that campaign and where you can support this firecracker because I know you want to. Emily's been a favorite in our community ever since she stopped by our holiday party and absolutely schooled us in the trivia room. Okay, the trivia room was run by Sydney Nielsen who also produces, edits, this podcast and they also do our social media and they love a good trivia room so i can't really imagine having an event without sydney running a trivia room anymore emily is smart and hilarious and i'm so excited to share this third real women's network spotlight with you so here she is my chat with emily Elfadly. and you're in england
1: right now you're in london i am yeah that's right I
0: so how long indeed. have you lived there
1: In London since 2012 but in the UK since 2005 but I was born in the UK so I just moved back basically yeah I grew up in the States well I say I grew up in the States that's a lie my childhood was in France but then from 12 I moved to America until I was like 17 and a half because at the time halves mattered um and I moved to 17 yeah 17 and a half. But my accent, it, because it was like the first kind of English that I learned, the American accent yeah. stuck, basically. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I've yeah, been here that's... I've been here since 2005, so quite a while now. So exotic. Years Look at the world traveler oh. you are
0: before you <laughs> um, even started. Um, my, most of my family, well, all my family started in Northampton. Now my oh, cousins yeah. are all in London proper. And then my brother was living in Bradford on Avon. So oh, nice. I used nice. to go to England every summer.
1: Ah, well, you should come back then. Maybe yeah. when COVID you is. You like over. it there? Do you, or,
0: do you ever miss America?
1: Yes, I miss. Uh, I miss America sometimes, but not how things are now. So obviously, when I grew up there, I feel like everything was a bit simpler. So I miss those times. But yeah, I mean, I really miss my friends and stuff. But it's not a place that I would probably want to travel to. Mm. What do you think? I mean, you've been on this uh, journey of filmmaking uh, and the
0: date for I need to hear about the date I need to know <laughs> the journey that launched this piece of film making
1: for the date yeah um okay yeah. so basically it's a funny it, well I call it a funny story people may not think it's very funny but um I I'm an editor so I always that's my thing that's my life I edit films and stuff like that but um, obviously, there's not a lot of representation out there, like good rep- good lesbian representation. Um, but to start with, um, I think I was doing a lesbian web series, which didn't do very well. We won't go into that, because <laughs> web series okay. is hard, you know what I mean? And I was approached by uh, somebody, I guess you would call a YouTuber, a really small YouTuber, but she had a film, she had written the script, and she was like, oh, I'd love to, you know, get involved if you've got anything, I've got a script and stuff if you want to read it and things. So I read it, and it was really good, and I thought it'd be really cute, especially in London, to make that film. So that was my first kind of proper directing of someone else's work. Unfortunately, after the film finished, we kind of had a fallout, and... You know, from then on, me and the camera operator were like, let's team up and let's just make really good, you know, positive les- like lesbian representation, um, like films and things like that. That was one of the things that I
0: watched the date and I was like,
1: this is just so beautiful.
0: And I feel like. You know I feel like we're getting more and more exposed to same gender relationships so it's not as like unheard of or foreign and now I just watch this I'm like I just want to
1: watch these two women fall in love over and over (laughs) and
0: over over again it's so beautiful
1: thank you that's really kind I was gonna say the journey to the day it it felt like I guess so we did I directed that first film um in 2016 and we wrote and made the date in two thousand and eighteen. So it felt like a long journey, but also not really, uh, especially not to write your first short film and stuff. But yeah, it was just me and the, and and this and this amazing person called Hands Off, who, you know, we just sat down and we were like, we just want to tell a story and I think I originally came up with the idea of just telling the story of a date like I mean to some people it's pretty boring and you know film normally has to have like a beginning and a middle and an end and a you know uh, some bad things and all that but we were like that's really not what we want to show we just want to show people having a good time and you know we just wanted to make it feel good film basically and we know that it didn't really have a beginning or an end but that's just how things go sometimes, you know, we didn't want to make a feature, we just, I don't know, I think what you've made is
0: a great, like, calling card for yourself, because I was watching it, and I was falling in love with them falling in love, because I'll tell you, love is relatable, like, Mm. watching the sparks and the chemistry between two people fall in love, everybody can relate to that, you can't deny that, it's exciting, and I remember, like, watching, and then they start dancing together, and I was like, if this movie ended right now, without like any kind of huge conflict, I'd be okay. I honestly oh, thought God. that. Because I was oh, so God. enamored with it. And yeah. and then I and then now like in retrospect, I'm like, I do want I want to know more about these two women now. Like, that's I'm what so everybody curious says. About that. But I know. <laughs> but that's a great place to be, isn't yeah. it, as a filmmaker?
1: No, yeah, that's true. You know, actually there was um we filmed like a whole film if that makes sense like the film was originally going to be like 15 minutes long or something but we cut out like three or four scenes because we were like hmm. well one we got some feedback and uh, this was after filming which is the worst thing to do we got filming like, uh, we got feedback after filming and we we're like you don't need any of this shit like just sorry or can I, I swear it. on this by the way I don't know if, if you don't
0: swear. swear I'll be disappointed Okay
1: great. (laughs) Okay great. You know um, the people giving us feedback they were like you know what you're uh, like this scene is such like a high point and and people are going to be kind of like on the edge in a sense if you went into another scene like the next morning or you know uh, two weeks later or something it's just gonna bring it back like like the the feel of it it's it's just gonna slow down too much basically Mm. and um and so we took that feedback on board And, you know, we tried the scenes afterwards, like, actually, there was a scene where they went home together, and there was a conversation, and then there was a morning after scene, Um, and then there was, like, three years later, But but they were like, we actually don't need to see the end, like, they're in a really good point there, so just end it there at a high. But, that, but the thing, though, is that, you know, a lot of people in the community have said, oh, my God, I can't believe it ended where it ended. And it's like, what happens to them and all of this? And it's like, well, oh, we can make another film. But for now, yeah. <laughs> we'll just leave yeah. it at that. <laughs> but yeah. But, but I, I like, also yeah. love,
0: like, what made you want to include, like, the, um, the two camera, uh, what are they called, like, diary entries? What are they called when you... Oh, at the like, end. Like, couple,
1: just the, the little interviews. Yeah. I cannot remember, I can't remember how it started, or like, I think because of the story itself, I guess I really wanted to have real, I guess, real um, stories, you know, because our story was so simple, in a sense, I wanted to kind of show that, you know, we're not just showing a fake, not a fake, but like a made-up relationship, like this is stuff that happens every day, and it's you know um so I I don't know I just contacted people mainly on Instagram and like you know couples and things and you know a lot of them just said yeah let's do it and yeah and they did it and it's great I I yeah it's I think it's my so my jam you know, it's like Harry it. Met Sally
0: does have you heard that
1: before <laughs> No, is that no, ridiculous no 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 How, because happens? at the, the beginning right.
0: when Harry Met Sally it's all yeah. these like um couples and if you watch it, so here's the thing. I watch, I remember okay. seeing it for the first time and going, oh my God, I love it. It's real couples talking about their relationships mm-hmm. and it's beautiful. And then I've watched it since then with a little bit more, um, I don't know, mm-hmm. wisdom and experience. And I'm like, oh, I think these couplers are actually actors pretending oh, to be connected. Okay. Anyway, yeah, yeah. but I loved that connection. I think that's a really fun uh, combo.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I loved it at the end. I mean... Film festivals were, like, you know, half and half. They were like, we don't think we can have, like, a six-minute credit, like, sequence at a film festival. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, the film itself was under 15 minutes, so a lot of festivals took them, took it, sorry. But others were like, nah, if you can just do credits, that'd be great, thanks, because we're just here for the film itself, which was a bit sad. But I loved it, and I, I think it works really well. And I think that in itself is almost, like, its own little like film in in a way, which is a bit, you know. I agree. I mean, so
0: you set out because you wanted to have like a movie with a positive um, vision of lesbian relationships, right? And yeah, like
1: lesbian life as well, yeah, for sure.
0: And so where did that love of people come from? Because I feel like as artists, like when we are younger, you know, like as a kid, I was writing poems until my brother found them and made fun of them and I was writing short stories and I was doing creative things and it wasn't until I don't know I kind of found comedy and improv and I went oh this is where my voice is gonna be like how did you where was your journey and how did you find the place where your voice was through editing and filmmaking
1: yeah I think it's kind of the same as what you said um growing up I had a really really bad childhood. And so I used to write a lot and I used to kind of get lost in my own kind of worlds and stories and things. Um, and I used to create worlds for myself through my stories, you know, unfortunately using my own name and stuff, which kind of gave shit away. Um, but, um, (laughs) Wait a second. So you're having, you're having a bad childhood. Like were you, was it, was it
0: challenging? The childhood, was it challenging because, um, you were, you hadn't come out yet or was it because you were like finding your voice?
1: No, it was challenging, just family stuff. And um, when I was back yeah. in high school, uh, we, so we moved from France to America. I started middle school and that's where I had my first proper crush on a girl. And, you know, I lived with my dad who married this woman and, and you know, it was a very, very hard time when it comes to my sexuality, yeah. for sure, because it was like a religious yeah. family and stuff. Yeah, so like I said, I used to write a lot of stories and things, but, I didn't write the stories, like, through someone else's eyes or through someone else's, like, life, I guess. So I would write my name and I would write people I knew and I would whatever. And I would make these kind of, like, fantasy stories or whatever. But then my dad found a story and, you know, immediately he was like, that and that and I know that. And, yeah, it was like a whole thing. So, yeah. So So that's how you discovered that you were... Right? That's how you yeah, that's how you just Wow, me. that's fine. yeah. It was awful. Yeah, it was awful. I remember just coming home one day and finding my story on the fridge. Oh my god. <laughs> I was like my heart stopped. I know. It was Emily, it was that it, it was awful. Dramatic. Like <laughs> yeah, it was my journey? Fault. <laughs> I love yeah. that you were
0: like creative writing and you're like nobody will know. I'll call the person <laughs> Emily.
1: <laughs> like wait a second.
0: <laughs> not too covert. Yep. Like that's not an
1: easy coming out I know but it was awful but that's like a story for another podcast (laughs) well Well, this is your time
0: Um, I mean I do think like I wonder how many other people came home and found like a creative story that they'd written on their fridge or something similar to that you know when they've been forced into the the place of coming out to your family because I know it's happening and the Mm. more like we sort of say it's out there then the more people are like oh thank goodness I'm not alone in that kind of (laughs) trauma So I think you're doing a good job, and also like what you're creating with your film work. I think that's super important. So that we're we're seeing like the relationships that we want to have on on screen. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you. I mean, that's actually why. I mean, when I say why, I am writing my next film from A to Q is a coming out film for sure, and I know they've been done like a million times. I've watched. I swear to God, I feel like I've watched all of them, like all the YouTube films and, you know, uh, festival films and stuff like that. But, and everybody's got a different experience, like their own coming out story and stuff like that, or their own journey. And I feel like this film is so personal to me, without calling the characters Emily, is so personal (laughs) to me. (laughs) And I just feel like it will be some sort of like release for myself. Like I never thought that I would write or want to make a coming out film. Like I I was like, oh, all of my films are gonna be people who are out, you know, you're not even gonna call them gay. They're just people who love people and whatever. But I feel like this story is important and still important and people are still coming out. And, but I just, even though it's based nowadays, I wanna have a lot of like, what happened to me when I was younger, but not with my family, but just my own personal journey. And, you know, my daydreams and my, you know, all of, all of that kind of stuff. I want to put that in this film. And so I'm really excited about my next film for sure.
0: Do you feel yes. like you, it'll be like a cathartic experience. Like they, once you make this film, you'll be like, okay, that story's told. Cause I feel like sometimes we had to tell a story in order to get to the next story. And until like, if you jumped yeah. to something else, you wouldn't be doing yourself a service as an artist. What do you think? No,
1: for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. I think this is going to help me a lot personally. Um, and hopefully other people as well. And I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's just, I just need to tell it and I need to just get it out of my system. Does that make sense? And and I hope it's going to be really good as well. And I don't know, you know. Um, but I also yeah. don't
0: think that there could be enough coming out stories. Like, I just think that's part of the, the world. So we need to keep telling those stories because everybody relates to a different story a different way. As an editor, you must, like, was that Frustrating? Because you weren't telling your own story until you became a filmmaker.
1: Yeah, you know, I never thought I would be a filmmaker. <laughs> or I guess I would, okay, I, I don't like calling myself a filmmaker. I think any person who works on a film or whatever is called a filmmaker. So as an editor, I'm still a filmmaker mm-hmm. because I'm making the film just like the gaffer would be, just like, you know. Um, but I would say directing, as a director, I never thought I would be a director. So like growing oh, nice. up, like I said... Yeah. It's scary because like, like being an editor, it's, it's kind of like, you know, the film is done. Like, you know, nothing else, you know, you don't have to worry about anything apart from working with the director, which I think is so much easier than actually being the director and getting what you want. Because if you don't get what you want, the editor can't help you. <laughs> and I'm right. the editor in my case. Yeah. So editing is okay. Editing is like, it's, it's easy. I'm, I'm making someone else's story better in a sense and you know I, I do give feedback and you know we try and come to like a, a good place together and things but no as a director I just never thought I would be and I, I like I said I've written stories my whole life and I've written scripts and things growing up as well like almost as 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 long as I could remember but I always thought that I would just give them to someone else because I never wanted to be a director <laughs> with a date I don't know uh, <laughs> I think we didn't want to give this story to someone else. So, you know, we wrote it together, and we were like, "Okay, who's going to direct it?" And we were just like, "All right, should I just try?" Because I directed another film before, and I directed my web series, which was really bad. Um, <laughs> and it I want to really- come back to the web series. Oh god, no. <laughs> so, so what was the
0: okay. but what was the um, turning point? Like when when you knew. Because like, you were writing all the time, but you weren't stepping into the place of a writer slash director. You were it- editing, which mm-hmm. is the contribution you were making. But what was the turning point when you thought, well, I have to be a director?
1: Um, I think I just got old. I think I just grew up. And I was like, you know yeah. what, if I want to make you know, if I want to make the stuff that I want to make, I think I'm just going to have to do it, you know? And that's what I mean yeah. by I tried to do it with my web series, which was a big learning thing. And and then I did it with this girl's film, and I, I, I really liked the way the film came out. I, but I've completely blanked on that film. So whether I actually directed anybody, I have absolutely no idea. But It is in a zone. Yeah, I know. I yeah. can never remember if I actually directed things right or not. Um But then, yeah. But then from then, like I said, you know, once we made that film, I don't know. I think we were just on a high as well. We were just like, we're going to make it, you know, we're going to do stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was really nervous the day before we um, Mm -hmm. shot the date for the first time. Like I called a friend up and I was crying. I was like, I don't think we can do this. I don't think I can do this. I'm in a room right now. There's about 17 light stands that I don't know how we're going to carry over there. Like, what is going on? Um, yeah. And I was so nervous. Yeah. And what did your running. friend say? They were sound on the film. So they were the sound, sat the boom right. op on the film. So they were like, we're going to do this. Don't worry. <laughs> like, do not worry. Everything's mean, going to be you fine. You always like, have to have a friend in your
0: corner that says, we're just going to do this. It's going go to be fine. You just need <laughs> yeah. that right
1: yeah for I sure mean,
0: this is the the more I talk to artists I think the more the best advice people can give the best like things people can tell me personally when I'm on a journey is mm. just keep going you have mm-hmm. everything within you don't give up just keep going and then you're like yeah it's gonna be okay you're doing <laughs> great keep going yeah yeah pretty yeah. much
1: like, like yeah did I'm you really think you,
0: you would edit the whole in your life like did you think you said you thought you'd never be a director do you think that you would just be like i'm just going to edit i'll work as an editor and work on bigger and bigger films and that will be my contribution
1: yes i mean i love editing like i'm not going to lie i absolutely love editing Thank and you. um yeah <laughs> but um <laughs> like i really it would be a
0: weird thing to e- lie about as well like if you're yeah, going to start don't. lying to me about how much you like editing I don't, I don't know where this conversation's going to go
1: <laughs> yeah yeah. No, no no but I I love editing like I went to school um for media and so we did like one year pre-production one year production one year post and I just enjoyed post so much and then mm. I don't know like just something about even though it's someone else's story I think just just you know grabbing the best takes and you know seeing the behind the scenes like you know all of that stuff is just so exciting oh, yeah. and then at the end of it just having a, a story like you know It's, it's It's just great. It's amazing. So when I got into editing, yes, I thought that was it forever. And you know, it can still be forever. I mean, yeah, editing is, is like I said, it's my passion. I do it for a living. I want to keep doing it. I would like to move into TV, like drama and stuff, especially in the UK. Um, TV dramas are really good here. So like, that's what I want to do for sure i used to think i wanted to do feature films and stuff but it's just it's not my i think prefer like a series or something so yeah i definitely thought that i would do that forever and so when i when i you know jumped into directing i was like holy crap like holy shit (laughs) like i'm actually making films and not just editing films like it was it was surreal for sure um but yeah well as you said like
0: editing is like filmmaking as well i i think Mm -hmm. the contribution of an editor is so um I don't know like I just know in comedy if you don't have a good comedic editor your whole show film or TV can be sunk. No. I know. I and it's know. the same in like I mean when you're talking about your the the BBC dramas that are going on right now yeah. the editing is so beautiful. Like you can yeah. you, the, the thing is when editing is really good you don't see it. No, exactly. That's the best time for sure. Okay, so but I want to talk about the web series because oh, I do, you know, in the firecracker department, we talk a lot about mistakes. Like I do feel like I want to make more mistakes in my life because it means yeah. that we're living boldly and we're facing <laughs> challenges. But also that's the learning curve, right? We can't I be know. perfect right out of the gate. You've never made a web series before. I'd love to know yeah. about the challenges and the things
1: you learned from it. Oh my god! What haven't I learned Are you from gonna it? Cry? Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I learned so much from it. Um, don't film by location. Film by story and scenes and episodes. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah. So what we ended up doing is that we were trying to cut costs, and like, we were like oh, well, we're in this location all day. So like, see, uh, you know, episode five, we're in this hallway, right? So why don't we just film that quickly? And it got to a point where I ran out of money, but I hadn't finished like any episodes <laughs> because I oh, used oh my God. the time and the money to be in these certain locations instead of just focusing on each episode. Does that make sense? So like, so we had... Right now, we have one episode online, which was shot in one location, so it was fine. But the second episode was meant to be in various different locations. But I realized that I missed some scenes because they were in different locations. So by the time that our money ran out, we were missing these vital scenes. So me, as an, you know the editor that I am, I had to come up with like a way of tricking the story and whatever and just... So we only have two episodes out because even though I've got scenes from um, future episodes, I don't have complete episodes. Does that make sense? So that was like yeah. the biggest learning curve ever, um, <laughs> for sure. I mean, oh, I can imagine. Yeah, also,
0: it's, I get a sense that you don't even want to tell me how to watch this web series. Like I don't like. I don't like know. I can see <laughs> that you're like I don't even want to talk about the name. I don't. And I wonder because. It's there's so much energy and money and passion that goes into these projects. And then when it, it doesn't turn out like your vision, I think there's a level of mourning too.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I feel bad for the actors really who didn't get much out of it. Um, <laughs> um yeah, no, I mean it is on YouTube, and I'm sure if you type in my name, it'll show up somewhere. But um uh, there's only two episodes they're really bad. they're so bad this This was another thing though you need crew. like crew is so important, yeah. and you think like even on a low budget and stuff, I didn't know what a first a d was. I didn't know what a gaffer was. I didn't know what any of that stuff was. In my head, it was just like, okay, so we need somebody who can press record and mo- and you know move the camera, and then we've got somebody who can record sound and that's it. And then they were like, yeah, but what about the director of photography? And what about the lights? And what about this and that? And I was like, I don't know, let's just do it. And so more and more people yeah. came on board, but it still wasn't enough. Like, especially for the second episode, it was just, we were so short on crew and it really shows, like really shows. Um, so yeah, I'm not doing that yeah, that's again. like I mean, I'm yeah. getting full crew. <laughs> full crew yeah. from now on, yeah, for sure.
0: It's, I mean, it's interesting. I did a movie called Canadian Strain and mm-hmm. uh, I was told it was low budget and I was like, okay, this will be fun. Like there's some fun people involved. And I got there and there were three crew members. There was oh, the snap. DOP, <laughs> black camera person, sound yeah. person, and then producer. Oh, sorry, four producer. There were two producers that also did like light moving and things like mm. that. So four crew members. And oh, instinctually, I'm like, well, how is this going to work? Like, how are we yeah. going to get any? And there was something so efficient yeah. about it because there wasn't like checking with people. There wasn't like quiet on the set. There was four people whose brains yeah, were focused. It was, yeah. And it turned out, it looked really good. Like they did an, yeah. and their budget was $10,000 Canadian.
1: Oh, well, I wish I had that money. Eh? <laughs> oh, give me that money right now. <laughs> I just, I,
0: I like, I, hear, I see your face, like, saying, like, oh, that was so hard and it was so bad. Like, are you able to put it in a place, uh, maybe it's too fresh still, but, like, are you able to put it in a place where it doesn't feel like um, a failure, but it
1: feels like a learning curve? Hmm, yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> <Maybe not. laughs> like Yeah. learning curve. Yeah, we'll say that for sure. I mean, you're right. I think it is down to also the crew that you get for sure. So, you know, you need people who are passionate about the project and who know, you know, what's going on and stuff. And I think you're right. Mm-hmm. It can definitely work with four people or, you know, four, four crew members. But I don't think I've found that yet. Does that make sense? Like, I feel like every project I've done, we've all been disconnected somehow. So the more crew, the better in my side of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like for the date, things were extremely difficult. You know, it was, it was a really fast turnaround. We shot for two, we shot for two days in, I'm gonna guess some months. I'm gonna say like, oh, we shot in two days in July. And then we, we returned and we did one more day in October. So, like, things were completely different. And it really wasn't the easiest, like, shoot, I guess you would say, because I was definitely seen as a first-time director. And even though we, I had written the, the film and, you know, I was directing it, I definitely didn't have... I didn't have a say on set which was really weird like you would think that the director was kind of number one in in a sense like you know it was like their vision and whatever and I I definitely didn't feel that on set so it made things very tense and very difficult and so why don't you think you had a
0: say why do you think that happened
1: oh no because I think some crew members just were too I don't know how to say it like I said I think they saw me as a first-time director and just you know went, well I have more experience than this person and I think you know, I'm going to get the best shots out of it. And even if she says she wants it lower, like, you know, if I don't think it's right, it's not going to happen. And it was just very difficult mm-hmm. to get kind of a word in and stuff. Um, and, and you know, with with my web series, it was just the fact that I, you know, as much as the crew liked being on set, it was one of those things where I don't think me as a first time director, again, knew what I was doing. Like, maybe I didn't like uh, how do i say this i didn't motivate them enough or i didn't pump them up enough or something and so i think you know when we got on set it was just like yep this is my job and then i'm going home instead of being like yeah this is a story i really want to tell and Mm -hmm. so that was the same with the day i had a lot of crew members that you know were excited about the film but the main people unfortunately were just kind of like let's just get this done like you know there's not enough budget you're not paying me enough we yeah. only have two days for this. Let's go. And yeah. So, yeah. yeah but so knowing that, run, what I would you change? Yeah. I was going to
0: say for this time around, what would you change? Um, getting a crew.
1: Yeah. Getting a crew that, you know, I'm getting the crew excited. you know what I mean? Like I'm having conversations with them, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I, I'm trying to make this fun, I'm I'm trying to show how excited I am about it as well, which I think is a big thing, like you shouldn't, you shouldn't just be like, oh yeah, it's another film that I'm making or whatever, you need to be like really excited about your project. And um, And this time around as well, you know, I'm trying to raise, you know, more money for the crew as well, because last time I do understand that people, you know, didn't get paid what they should, but they also agreed to it, so it's like a half and half thing where, you know, I don't want to make that same mistake. Well, it wasn't so much a mistake. It was, that is how much I could um, Mm -hmm. afford and you either took it or you didn't. And, you know, eventually somebody would have and we would have made a film, which is great. But my project's always about passion. So obviously I want people to all be paid what they should be paid, you know, the proper rates. But if I don't have it, Mm -hmm. I want them to love the story enough to want to actually see it on the screen and make it and be part of it, Mm -hmm. you know. but
0: yeah, I so think that's, that's a huge. big
1: thing as well. Yeah, I think that's a big thing right now is just trying to raise enough money so everybody can, can, can get what they need out of it as well, especially with COVID and stuff. You know, a lot of people have been out of work. So, you know, I'm working extra hard to try and get as much as I can to, to make things a bit more comfortable for them. But, um, but yeah, I think it's just about getting a good crew, getting people who are passionate about the project and learning to let people go who you know just are in it for you know another credit or you know money which is not really which is not what you want but
0: yeah Does that yeah make sense? I mean it 100% <laughs> makes sense and it sounds like you know based on that web series and then the date those weren't like the ideal first couple of projects for somebody to experience as a director <laughs> so I mean the fact that you still are like I'm gonna be a director I can't wait <laughs> it's like kudos to you to push through those challenges
1: Thank you. Yeah, I can't wait. There is something about directing, like, I think it's just something about seeing something come to life and not having to wait for it, you know, because as an editor you have to wait for it to get to you, and you're like, oh, so that's what you shot. Well, okay, I guess I can try and make something with it or whatever. But, like, as a director, I don't know what it is. Like, I'm so pumped to work on this film and to do it again. And hopefully again and again and again. I don't know. There's just something about it. I think it's working as a team as well because as an editor it's very lonely. You know, you're the last person on the job, you know, before the colorists and sound and stuff, but you just don't, you have no input. You have no clue what's happening. You just kind of get given the last thing and that's it. And even though you make something great, it still is kind of like you're not really thought of in a sense. You know, you're kind of the last person, whatever. But directing is so great. I don't know what it is. I just, I really love directing. I don't think I could direct someone else's project again. Um, okay. because that was, that was kind of, because it's not yours. And like the project I did for this, for this girl, I love the project. Like I'm still, I'm still telling people to go watch it, even though me and this girl fell out. Um, but again, I was working with someone else. So when we were editing it, which I edited, I, had to kind of do things her way which made things very difficult and it, it was just a whole thing but um so I kind I of don't help. want to do that again but we'll see we'll see I mean am I a good enough director to direct someone else's stuff I don't know you know maybe one day but yeah that takes well you're kind
0: of just starting who knows
1: where <laughs> yeah, you exactly. like you know what I
0: mean like don't don't say no yet to anything mm-hmm. <laughs> um was there a moment when you were shooting the date that you're like oh, I feel like a director right, right now.
1: <laughs> I guess when I was watching the actors act in the little display monitor, okay, yeah. cool, this is, this is me, this is what yeah. I'm doing right now. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Uh, I do wanna say one thing I've learned from the date though, which I'm definitely taking on board for the next film is, this is me like being a first time director, right? Like, obviously I didn't go to school for this. I didn't, I didn't, you know, I'm learning on the job in a sense you need to make sure that you speak with your actors. Because what I was doing a lot is that I was staying behind my monitor and I was going, yeah, so can you do that a bit like sadder? Or can you do that, you know, just yelling across the room, which is not what you want to do because the actors are like, I I don't know what she means or I don't, you know, that you need to literally, as soon as you say cut, you need to go up to the actors, stand in front of them, make things kind of personal between you and them and kind of forget everyone else around you and just focus on them and tell them what you want and stuff and that's one thing I think I did not do very well on the date but my actors were so great like they just knew exactly what what we needed to get out of it basically I mean we did uh, you know we did a fair bit of rehearsal beforehand so you know I told them like you know this sad the scene is uh, romantic, or like we want you to feel a bit like you know, 10 you know, a bit of tension here, or whatever. So they knew, you know, they had the notes and stuff, they kind of knew how to play yeah. the scenes, but but yeah, definitely yeah, speak I mean, with your actors and stuff. I
0: think that's a great takeaway, too. And I think, yeah. that like with every project we ever do, we're learning something. Like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, heaven forbid that like we find ourselves finish a project going, Well, that was perfect, I learned nothing. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sure, you know, and that's yeah. sort of going back to like making mistakes in life. Yeah. Like, I don't think it was a mistake that you sat by the monitor, but you learned that you had, it was more effective if you, you know, as you said, like saw eye to eye with them. So, I mean, yeah. I think those are really priceless. And as you said, you didn't go to school for it. So you, you created your own school for it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. Never, ever. Thought yeah. This I would love them.
0: All right. I I mean, again, I say this every time, but it's very true. I could talk to you forever because I'm so curious. I think one of my favorite things about Firecracker Department is we talk to folks that are like, you know, 100 credits in on their IMDb. But then we also talk to people that are first time directors. And I think there's this great connection with both because you see either the start of a passionate spark or like Mm -hmm. in mid, in mid spark. Yeah. (laughs) I love it so much. Um, and I can't wait to see what you do next. Like you're you're obviously passionate about talking to people and showing relationships. So that's going to serve you really
1: well. Thank you. I am excited for sure. I can't wait. Yeah. It's going to be good. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, Okay, here, here are my firecracker questions that I always ask at the end of our interview. Um, And you can take your time. These are not rapid fire questions (laughs) at all. Okay, here we go. Fill in the blank. To me, a firecracker is? To
1: me, a firecracker
0: is? um, So in in the 19, like, I don't even know, maybe 1930s, like a firecracker was considered like a, a woman that, like you would say like, oh, she's a real firecracker, that lady. Right. So yeah. that's actually where it's come from for us. Okay. But it's not something that is in everybody's vocabulary. And I sometimes explain yeah. it. Which is,
1: I don't know. Maybe somebody who just keeps shining, I guess, keeps going, keep, keeps running, keeps, you know, keeps yeah. going basically, I think in my, in my head. I love it. <laughs> what do you want to be best known for in your life? Oh, sweet Jesus. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be known as sweet well, Jesus. Sweet Jesus. You know what? I will go back to saying uh, probably an, an editor. Like a kind person, but a, in my field and, you know, once I die, people won't remember me as mm-hmm. kind. They will probably remember the films and things that I've made. But I, as I think I would say an editor. I want to be known as a really good editor. Uh, really good mm-hmm. filmmaker, but maybe not director just yet. I don't know. It depends. Depends if I keep going, you know, making new films. Uh, two words to describe your present state of mind. Can I say fucking tired? <laughs> Is that a yeah. thing? My, my yeah. state saying uh-huh. mind. <laughs> Mind Go with state your of mind. My state of mind is all over the place right now. Yep, yep, yep. So tired. All over the place right now. It's, <laughs> it's hyphenated. It's all over the place right now. Six, yeah. six words.
0: Seven <laughs> words? Five words? A lot of words. All right, I'll yeah. keep going. Uh, what some people don't know
1: about you? Oh my God, it's too much. What don't people know about me? Um, yeah. <laughs> You're a private person? Not so much. People just don't ask. <laughs> um. <laughs> You want to know something really weird? Or like maybe not that weird, 100%. but something pretty weird. No, I want to know everything. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> this is going to be so fucking crazy. When I was three, so I have a scar on my leg. And when I was three, I was dropped out of a window. And that's how I got the scar on my leg from like the third floor window, which is great. <laughs> but yeah, Oh my god. there you go. That's the thing that a lot of people don't know about me. So yeah, if people think I'm a little... You know, maybe because I fell in my head. No, not really. I didn't fall in my head.
0: Not everybody's fallen out of a window, though.
1: That's the no, story. No, I did not fall out of a window. Okay. Thank you very much. I oh was dropped God. out of a window. <laughs> but I, I know mean, I that's have to your say everything's
0: fine. yeah. Holy moly, you're maybe maybe magic. Maybe I magic. Am. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: I mean, those are the kind of things that like. As traumatic as that memory must be, but like, does don't you think that feeds us as artists? Like, if you didn't have those experiences, and from what you're saying, like your childhood sounds really challenging. Yeah, but for look sure. at all the
1: all the material you have. Like, <laughs> oh my goodness! Right? I know. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I mean, I'm excited. <laughs> no, I'm excited because actually, for long before this whole like directing thing, when I was just writing scripts and things, um, I started writing, I guess you would call it a feature. It's so, like it's so dear to me, that story. And it's, mm-hmm. not, a, it's not a gay film, it's not an LGBT film. You know, my character's straight, but like that, th- that doesn't matter. The story behind mm-hmm. it is so, like every time I think about it, I feel very emotional about it. And I, I can't mm-hmm. wait to one day be in a position to be able to make it, but that's like so far in the future, you know? And again, that's another well, story I mean, that I feel, you know, once it's made, it's gonna be a massive weight off my shoulder, just like my next one, but yeah.
0: I mean, I'm totally going off my questions, but i am still, <laughs> you know, it, it's my show, yeah. I can do what I want, I'm the boss. Yeah. But what's your relationship with vulnerability? Like exposing your, the truth of your past, um, how, how is that sitting with you?
1: Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not one to lie about things and I'm not one to keep things in. Like, my my partner knows everything about me from like, you know, you just have to ask, you know, and I think a lot of people may not want to talk about themselves because it makes them feel selfish or it makes them feel like narcissistic or something. But I don't know, you know, we all go through stuff and I don't think it's good to keep it in. Like, I have no problem telling people stuff. And I think that's the route to understanding someone, you know, they are a certain way because of things that happened before and, you know, why judge somebody without knowing, you know, who they are and, and how they came to be who they are. And like, I've had so much like happen to me and I would not be the person I am today if that didn't happen. So I don't think I would ever not want it to happen, but I don't know. I think it helps for sure. You know what I mean? Talking about things and yeah. And and actually, which is funny that you've just asked this question, because, you know, I'm having an argument with my dad right now, because I want to make a, a short, short kind of documentary about things, you know, kind of getting it out there. And he's, he very much thinks that, why would you put this stuff out there? People are going to think mm-hmm. of you differently, and people are going to judge you. And, you know, what about your work? And people may not want to work with you and stuff. And I'm like, but it's stuff that happened in the past. It's not happening now. You know, I'm not, mm-hmm. it's not... I don't know, like I just, yeah, I don't know. I've got a thing about, it. and you know, yeah. instead of doing what I did when I was a child and writing my name on things, now I can make other characters and other people <laughs> go through right. it instead, right. and I, yeah. I
0: you mean, know. you're still the writer, so it still comes back to you, and I do, yeah. you know, I, I, I do wonder how protective you are of telling a story that obviously has your family connected
1: to it, and yeah. protecting like your dad and things like that. How do you feel about that? I don't do care. <laughs> To be honest. Like, I mean, it happened. Like, this stuff happened and you know, it shouldn't Mm. have happened or it should have happened, you know. But if it was Can I ask what the premise of the documentary is? Oh, the documentary itself that I that I want to do, which he won't let me do. Um, it's just my childhood basically, just stuff that happened when I was younger, and just it's kind of like it to me, it would feel like a very big like therapy session, you know, but also it's also to kind of let people know that it's okay you know, a lot of people have gone through certain things. Like, I don't really want to get into that much detail about stuff that's happened, but I just, to me, I just want to make it because one, I feel like it would clear me from a lot of things that people may think about me. So I'm like, some people may think that I'm a bit strange or, you know, I have strange ways and things, but they have to understand where that, where, where that has come from. So like my emotional mm-hmm. state or my the way that I think of things or the way that I answer, you know, certain questions or something. So instead of saying things over and over again or, or not letting them in, I I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I also have a lot of questions to ask people. So I think this would be a great way of just you know getting getting the answers and things but yeah i don't know anyways well,
0: Justin, you're ready to talk about your documentary i'd love to hear about it because i oh, i do think you. that the more like like a i'd rather have somebody i'd rather be strange than boring like yes, and i don't sure. think that anybody you know like if i don't find you strange at all but if i did i'd be like wow I bet she you. has a really colorful childhood like the more, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, we are the result. But it is an interesting thing, like the documentary when it involves, you know, like your family, when, if you're talking to your father about it, you know, him saying like, why do we need to expose that? I think that's a really hard thing to break down. Like when we're talking about being a vulnerable artist, it's one mm. thing telling your story, but it's never just your story. It's your story yeah. and it's connected to other people. So it, it's an, a, an interesting discussion. It's an interesting responsibility uh, level, I think.
1: Yeah, I know. I always watch these documentaries on Netflix and things about just people's lives. Like, it could be one thing that's happened in someone's life. Changes it, you know, forever. And in a way, I'm interested as a filmmaker in, like, how they got everything together. Like, how how can you actually make a documentary about your life or, like, how something happened to you or whatever. But even just how they could talk about it and things. Like, it's just really interesting and stuff, you know. I I feel like I'm at the Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I'm at this age now where I'm just like, fuck it. (laughs) Like I, you know, I I need to just... And as you said, like, I feel
0: like personal documentaries, I'm in awe of that journey of strength to expose that kind of vulnerability. But I also understand it as a cathartic, like what you're talking about, like once it's off your shoulders and it's made, you've got questions Mm. that will have been answered by then. So I I mean, I get it. What's something that you do to regroup? Like when you feel like your creative tank is empty, what do you do?
1: That's a really good question. I feel like I don't do anything. I moan about it a lot and then I sleep and then I don't <laughs> go back to writing for like a month. <laughs> like, I don't know, I can't, force, I can't force things out. And yeah, it's really bad because actually me and my writing partner, Hands Off, we're, writing, we're working on this other film um, and she's very eager to write she's just constantly like you know I don't know let's just write some other scenes some new scenes whatever like let's just just get this finished like it's been two years now and I'm like I can't I have nothing I have no clue what to write and I don't like forcing it because then I feel like I'm just trapped you know like in this in this space and so I just kind of leave it and then when I finally have an idea I tend to just write like write a note in my in my phone and I'm like okay so she does this all right cool great (laughs) and then I go back to it later but I don't know yeah I think I just take the time I I don't Mm -hmm. push myself I don't take anything for it I don't force myself I just I just believe it and then if it takes three years to write it takes three years to write like yeah that's just my thing
0: yeah yeah I get it my final question is what advice would you have given to your younger
1: self I mean with my childhood let's see. I think I think it's going to be the the same old like things will get better type thing, you know, like don't be too hard on yourself, things will get better. Yes, things are shitty now, but like you'll get through it and and you just have to keep going. Like that's the thing I think a lot of people no, I don't I don't want to say aren't good at it. Like they like you just even when times are tough you have to talk to people, you have to get help, you have to, whatever you need, but like, don't keep it in, and it will pass, and as long as like, you're a nice mm-hmm. person, and you're a kind person, or whatever, you know, things, things will be better, and things will just keep kind of getting better and stuff, and, and I've definitely seen that for sure, like, all the time, yeah, you know, yeah, so just, yeah, to my younger self, things will get better, keep being nice, and take your time with stuff as well. Like, don't rush it. But, like, yeah. Talk yes. about things. Communicate. You know, all of that. Yeah. No, that's... You got all the questions right. Yay! <laughs> <laughs>
0: nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't wait to see what you do next. I can't cool. wait to see Thank what you. your heart and brain together and um, thank you. I'm so glad to have you on our show and to share your story with folks I think it's thank great. you and I'm I'll, so I'll excited like to impact. be
1: here <laughs> oh thank you
0: yeah for sure I'm going to be in England at some point in the future and when when I am we'll sit down and have a, a cup of tea together
1: yeah a pint, that sounds or great really yeah English. <laughs> no that sounds great yeah yeah for we'll sure. have tea like a baked a potato good. Together. <laughs> sure, yeah. We'll have a scone together. Yes. Yeah, scone. yeah. We'll really get into the Brits. Yeah.
0: All right. Great. Well thank you cool. so much, Emily. That's been okay, a pleasure to no see you.
1: Right. Bye.
0: Well, another Real Women's Network spotlight in the books. I had so much fun talking with Emily and her work is so beautiful and honest I I just can't wait to see her new short from A to Q when I saw the date I remember thinking I don't even care where this goes I just love watching people fall in love I just find it so intoxicating it's so I yeah I could watch that kind of stuff forever hey remember you can go support Emily's crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo at the link in our show notes and you can watch the date on Real Women's Network and Seasons on YouTube Lots of places to support Emily and her work. You can follow Emily on Instagram at editor underscore Emily. And that's Emily, E-M-M-A-L-I-E. Or at from A to Q film. And of course, since you're over there, why don't you follow Real Women's Network? Find them on Instagram at Real, R-E-E-L, Women's Network. Or if Twitter's your jam, find them at R-E-E-L, Women's, N-E-T-W and the number one. In all cases, just check out our show notes. We'll get you there, don't you worry, or send us a tweet or a message and we'll make sure that it's forwarded to those folks at Real Women's Network. We're gonna be bringing you a new creator from that platform every month. So watch out for these voices and check out what's available to stream now at realwomensnetwork.com. And since you're over there on the computer or your device, go on over firecracker D E P T. it's gonna have all your updates for all those announcements and of course you can go to firecrackerdepartment.com just for everything everything firecrackery hmm? okay see you next time i'm naomi thanks for listening to the firecracker department like i always say there's space for everyone within the firecracker department and if you're not already part of our facebook members group why not there's tons of stuff going on over there That's our central hub for connecting with the Firecracker community and where all our event reminders, conversations, and connections happen. Uh, Like, are you an actor or a writer? Because we have the script department and writing department as well. Weekly, the writing department posts a prompt on Mondays so that you can do that anytime. Plus, we do a little writing gym with bursts so you don't even have to prepare anything. We do that on Zoom every Thursday. Come and join us over there. Every Sunday we host a community brunch on Zoom so that new and current firecrackers looking to meet other creative people like you can hang out and connect and it's always really fun. We drink coffee, we often wear our pajamas and have bathrobes and that's the way it rolls. We always wanna know what you're doing and how we can help you move forward creatively. There's a lot going on and there's a department and a seat for everyone at the firecracker table. Come find yours, share your voice with the world, and connect with your people. Stay in the loop with everything I just threw at you by subscribing to our newsletter at firecrackerdepartment.com. Big, huge, ginormous thanks to my whole team. I'm throwing my arms up, ginormous! Everyone who's in Los Angeles, Toronto, Vancouver, New York, and all the way over in the UK. Thanks to all our core members for everything that they do online and off to make this community this firecracker department growing into what it is becoming which is so important to me and from what I'm hearing from the feedback it's important to you too so thank you big thanks to Jeff Militinovic and Igor Karila for our theme music we love it and thanks to you yeah you the one listening right now for taking the time to listen because we know there's a lot of options out there and we so appreciate you taking the time to listen to us thanks everybody thanks for listening I'm Naomi and we'll see you next time on the Firecracker Department